0: A quick disclaimer, this week I'm going to be talking about psychopathy and some medical emergencies. If either of those are a problem for you, you might want to skip this one, but I think you'll enjoy it, so please stick with it. What is up? Good to see you. Welcome back to Side PC's Season, hosted by me, Enero. And this week i got another great show for you. Today's episode is about the good parts of psychopathy. I call it psychopath-ish. That's I-S-H. So, that said, let's go. So what are the good parts of psychopathy? The best parts, in my opinion, one, incredible focus on accomplishment of the goals. Two, fantastic emotional regulation. They navigate their emotions better than anybody. And three, calmness under pressure. These three are amazing. They're invaluable traits to possess in a relationship, any relationship, but also in just about any situation. Can you actually achieve a psychopath's functional levels of focus, performance, and control? It's a fair question. To quote my nephew Oliver, of course you can. And interestingly enough, you've already been doing it. Fire Drills So for a fire drill, uh, evacuation routes, sadly, active shooter drills, any emergency briefing you get on planes, trains, or ships, every single one is designed so that you remain focused, calm, and definitely don't panic in a situation that would normally have you terrified. So how do fire drills even help? Most of the time, you're not even paying attention you're on your phone, you're texting, you're not taking them seriously. It's all a big joke. And that's exactly part of the reason why the training is so effective. You're totally relaxed. So everything kind of sticks. There's no pressure. There's no nothing to detract from you remembering these steps. They seem simple and mundane and actually boring. It's perfect. Researchers know that as the stress and emotions increase, your reasoning and your other cognitive skills decrease. So the way to combat this is to have a plan in place before things get wild. Having a plan in place is helpful even when you cannot carry out the original plan. So let's say the plan calls for you to exit through door A, but door A is blocked, locked, something's going wrong. Your brain will automatically switch over to start looking for a different exit. Because it's been trained to get out. That's the hack. Because once you're trained to do something, the trained mind keeps looking for a way while the untrained mind will just freeze. Which brings us into the big three. Freeze, fight, or flight. So let's talk about one of the ways I was trained to take action rather than panic. Many of you know that I'm a nurse and part of the nursing gig is that you will have to run code. So my first code ever it's business as usual. I'm sitting at my nurse's station between my two patient rooms, freezing my ass off. I'm doing what nurses love to do, which is charting. The heart rate alarms start beeping. So I look up, and what I see on the monitor already looks bad. Heart rate's in the 230s, which is just too fast. I hop up. I call out to the patient. He's not responding. I get into the room. I check his pulse while I'm shaking him. No response. He's coding. This is where I freeze. It only lasts for about two seconds, but at this point, my heart rate is elevated. My mouth is dry. My pupils are dilated. I don't have to pee anymore. That's gone. The fear is really high, and I'm on the verge of panic, but then the training takes over. I lower the head of the bed and the side rail, max inflate the mattress, jump up on there and start doing chest compressions and yell out, crash cart to room five at which point the rest of the ICU shows up and we successfully resuscitate this patient. Over the next few codes, that freeze gets shorter and shorter until by the time I'm on my fourth code, there's no freezing at all. And in fact, as soon as things look like they're deteriorating, I grab the crash cart, everything's in place, I'm ready to rock. I'm pre-gaming a bit. I'm I'm going to head trouble off at the pass and now I'm cool under pressure no matter how I actually feel, just like a psychopath. The training and experience is what enabled me to act quickly and correctly, and from there, I improved. So how exactly do you conduct a relationship fire drill? This is a one-on-one training, you with yourself, all in your head. First, just by design, the goal has got to be to remain focused and cool you know, re- regulate and navigate your emotions under pressure so that you can act in your own best interest. Second, the situation. Because naturally we think arguments, but any communication breakdown would be a problem. It doesn't help. And it looks different. Some of you are saying too much, and some of you are not saying enough, and some of you are just saying the most vicious things that you can think of at the time. You know who you are. We're not going to call any names. But it's not just arguments, any frustrating situation that you encounter requires its own fire drill. Imagine yourself resolving the situation smoothly without it escalating. You know what your triggers are. Run through the drills in your mind. How do you want to handle that situation? What would you prefer to do? Imagine yourself doing exactly that. Imagine yourself ignoring the trigger, not even worrying about it, not allowing it to get you ramped up. And then when the situation comes up, or one similar to it, you already have a plan in place. Your response is set. And just like a regular emergency situation, if you can't do exactly what you planned, your brain will invent a plan B right there on the spot. It's not sexier than that. It's just simple. And simple is best. But simple does not mean easy. If there was a side piece season, couples boot camp retreat, we would really, really drill down on these relationship fire drills for you to practice. You, in your mind, mentally, seeing yourself successfully navigate this situation, right? They require practice. This is the part where I'd insert the Iverson quote. And yes, I said practice. It works so great because it helps to keep you in that neutral mind state it raises your awareness about how you want to react and how you are reacting in these situations. And then you just change that. Actually, what also should be happening is the trigger shouldn't be happening as much because your partner should have been aware that, hey, there's a problem and I need to change. And if they don't, you probably need to ask yourself a whole different question. Like, what's wrong with this person? But that's another episode for another time. Do your relationship fire drills. They help. I know some of the true crime people that only came to this because it said psychopath-ish. And they were thinking it was going to be killers and all that stuff. Nope. Sorry. And for those of you that feel like I did a bait and switch because I did tell you what you needed to know. To act more like a psychopath acts in certain ways, you need to have a mental exercise that you do. Where you prepare yourself for this distressing infuriating situation, and then once you have that in place, run through it a couple times, maybe once a quarter, I don't know how bad your situation might be. But do that, and that will enable you to be cooler under pressure, stay focused on your goal, which is making the relationship dope, and not be ruled by your emotions. Put them off to the side while you move forward. Have a fantastic Monday, make it a great week, and have a beautiful weekend. I'll catch you back here in a week, and we'll run it back. In the meantime, be good to yourself, be good to others. If you need to get a hold of me, it's sidepiece underscore season on Instagram. I'm always looking for people to get on the show, so if you think you got a story that we can talk about, please hit me up. In the meantime, rate, review, like, subscribe, all the things. Tell a friend if you love it, tell an enemy if you hate it. I'll catch you next time. Peace. All of this is designed to keep you from experiencing emotional damage.